And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome from Studio L here. Uh, I'm Christopher Hoffman, uh, and I am a host of A Vault of the Killer Bees. Today, uh, our, today, Mr. Boss has uh, allowed me to take over for the hour and introduce you to a really, really interesting uh, band. And uh, we'll say hello to them in just a few. I uh, just want to give a shout out to uh everyone this is the galaxy electric um and we want to go ahead and just say hello to everyone listening around the world uh in norway philippines australia japan and uh elsewhere around uh the globe thank you very much for tuning in um we are available of course on all of these podcasts um venues as you can see here we've got a ton of them we've got amazon music spotify stitcher um all of those options if you wish to listen to us in the podcast form um thank you very much for uh tuning in uh either live on uh youtube or through the podcast form um and thanks for uh Tuning in today as we speak to uh, the Galaxy Electric, and that um, how are you guys doing this afternoon? Well, thanks so much for having us. This is super cool. We, um, I know we're a band and we're on this like sci-fi podcast, but obviously uh, there's going to be a, a tie in there. <laughs> to explain. Oh yes, yes, of course. And that now, um, and you are a. Jacqueline Caruso and um, then uh, the gentleman with the mustache is Augustus Green and uh, you of course are the Galaxy Electric and um, you your songs delve heavily into sort of a retro futurism um, and uh, a really really interesting combination of um, I guess you would say analog technology along with uh, modern digital technology um, and you create these very very interesting soundscapes that are um, akin to akin to music that you would find um, at the beginning of uh, vintage sci-fi programs uh, such as Doctor Who and um, of course uh, the classic movie Forbidden Planet. Um, now, how how did you uh, get started in this kind of field of music? I mean, what what drew you to this sort of world of electronica? Ooh, I was I had a <laughs> the word that came to mind for me was uh, the aesthetics. Honestly, like it started with 
uh, really starting to appreciate architecture mm-hmm. and clothing from, I would say, like the early 60s, um, you know, upwards. Yeah, like late 50s, early 60s. Late 50s, early 60s. And, you know, I think one of the places to find a lot of that or to, you know, if you like that look or even like the hue of like, uh, you know, film would be sci-fi, like a a sci-fi television show or or an old movie. Um, And so it actually came for me uh, from, from the aesthetics first. I would say the the feeling that um, something like the home of the future from the 50s, right? That feeling that you get from the aesthetic of it because there's intentionality behind it. Yeah. And there's a lot of lost technology from that era that was very, you know, unique to the space race kind of mentality. So once we started digging into those aspects that were drawing us in, we found ourselves uh, t- like in a, like a full loop back on itself into electronic music, right? So what is the music that someone of, who's you know dreaming about the future is going to listen to? And then you land yourself right at the seat of you know Forbidden Planet. Yeah, yeah, it kind of dumped us. Right into, Which I think, you know, is one of the few movies that has that, uh, you know, sunken living room, you know, mm-hmm. asymmetrical, like, uh, architecture from that era that's also got, you know, the robots and the psychological things that were happening, you know, in the field, in the field of psychology itself. Oh, uh, definitely. And, and, and of course, uh, Robbie the Robot with his sort exactly. of conic and that head and, and, and the bubble separated mm-hmm. arms and everything it's just a, a very very neat aesthetic um now if i'm correct wendy carlos did the soundtrack it's amazing that you should or... say that because we've <laughs> <laughs> now i don't want to spoil anything for our fans if they listen to this but it's top uh, of mind <laughs> bb bb and louis baron actually made the soundtrack for that oh, okay okay we've been spending a little time with them lately so it's just funny that that came up um as well as wendy carlos who just had a you know she her birthday was i don't know like <laughs> yesterday or before that so <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, threads that tie together there but yeah baby and louis baron are considered like anybody who's into them would say like they invented electronic music mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the fact that they got to display that as the score for like one the biggest budget sci-fi movie of the time like that's just so cool it wasn't just some small film you know right right yeah it was the big blockbuster they put over two million dollars into that movie at the time it was a huge budget oh yeah it's a fantastic film I, i really uh enjoyed actually the the use of um uh cell animation yeah as well as the the um the uh the the practical sets that were built and everything the whole the whole aesthetics is just a world that really draws you in Mm -hmm. um now you you were talking about uh the aesthetics of kind of the the future that that never was Mm -hmm. um and in fact um i know that there uh like popular mechanics has released a couple of books um about their predictions on the future with like posters of 
of mm -hmm. uh, great illustrations of like you know the the house of tomorrow as you mentioned and mm -hmm. and um the uh the floating cars and and that kind yes. of sort of a uh, 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 more technical less cartoony kind of jetsony aspect mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. of the the uh the future um in fact i think there is also a book out called where is my jetpack <laughs> mm -hmm. and that, that's that's all about um these kind of retro futuristic ideas that never came to be um now on your on one of your videos you actually um filmed that using a super 8 camera mm -hmm. and um you were in um, new york at the site of the former world's fair when you did that mm -hmm. now um you had these kind of space 1999 sort of like jumpsuits on and everything <laughs> now um were you portraying characters when you when you made that video or uh something that came to mind though before like about the prior question was there was as you were giving that little uh spiel there one person's uh name came to mind and that's jacques fresco I, I was he, he was our yes. our uh, main as far as aesthetics go we were really kind of ODing on a lot of his drawings his conceptual drawings of you know his yeah. utopian uh, future ideas um, if folks don't know about uh, Jacques Fresco he's um, I know I felt I was like I have to pause and like credit Jacques Fresco here just to make sure everyone he passed knows away about a few him. years ago uh, but he was the founder and um I guess I conceptualist of the Venus project, which is still around. Oh, wow. Um, like so a physical place that. in Florida mm -hmm. that we went and visited and we met him and he lectured about his ideas. Because um, we were already fans. About retro features. Yeah. Of, like specifically. We went there and sought him out specifically. He was building like a village of domes that would be like eco-friendly and survive hurricanes mm -hmm. and stuff and, and but he he believed in like floating cities and like everything should be a library yes um, i i believe i've seen some of his uh, architecture they had sort of a, a dome with like the the windows all yes. around yeah the windows all around very tomorrowland like mm -hmm. if you're if you're familiar yes. with epcot center or disneyland yeah. disney world tomorrowland like it's that vibe and he was involved in a lot of things that you'd be surprised by. Oh, yeah. Which was another big influence of mine. I, I grew up in uh, close to Orlando, Florida, so I actually went to Tomorrowland <laughs> yeah. a lot. 60s as, Disney is very retro. As a kid, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, definitely. Um, and have you have you been able to see that uh, the the Tomorrowland film? I have not yet. Oh, yeah. I have not. I've been meaning to check that one out. And that it... it, it definitely uh dives into that whole sort of retro futuristic kind of utopian mm -hmm. experience it uh, it came out and i think it was like in theaters for like about a week and a half or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> not, but, but um i i do know that it's uh, available on on blu-ray and that mm -hmm. okay and i cool. think it's also available on disney plus too so Oh, there you go. And I do apologize because I kind of derailed us a little well, bit. Well, it does there, connect but... because his like Jack mm -hmm. Fresco, which is just something we wanted to like make sure we shout out, like give him credit. But his designs are very similar to like <clears throat> what was going on at the site of the World's Fair mm -hmm. in New York from '64, which is also very similar to what was going on at Tomorrowland. Like they're all connected. They're oh, all yes. from the same era. So it's like all very much similar. But your question was if we were playing characters, and 
Mm -hmm. um, the answer is like yes and no, um, <laughs> because we created that sort of like short film, I guess you would say, uh, for the concept of our album that is our most recent album that we put out full length um, called Tomorrow Was Better Yesterday. And so we wanted to go to the site of the 1964 World's Fair, you know, because it's still there. So much of it is still there. And that was a lot of what was inspiring us. So we went and we, we kind of crafted this short film about uh, what the album is about, which we actually did like a radio play version of our album uh, that I think we have a link for somewhere uh, where we tell the story of the album in between all the music. And that's like sort of archived somewhere for you to experience it that way. Uh, but it all ties into the idea of these characters, us, you know, cause we're like, you know, we're manning the, the machines of our spaceship here. You know what I mean? Like it's creating sound, but can we ride these sound waves somewhere else? You know, that's mm -hmm. sort of the question we pose. Um, so these characters get like contacted through radio signals in their spaceship to go to the World's Fair. And when they get there, uh, it's like in ruins, right? Cause it's present day, but there's like a portal and they stumble upon the findings of this mysterious group of scientists and musicians who were working together in 1964, sort of like underground during the World's Fair uh, who got like these coordinates that they were chasing to find like the origins of the Big Bang. So we were sent there so then like kind of hook up with that moment and like travel through time to find them because they've been, they've lost the signal since they went out. That That's such an interesting backstory to- uh, It was a lot, thank you. To your <laughs> I will oh, yeah. credit Jacqueline with, you know, you came up with that completely on your own. Like the narrative <laughs> is a hundred percent Jacqueline. That's sort of just what happens as we're making music because we improvise. It's like, I'm seeing what we're singing about or playing about. And then like the story is forming as we're creating the music. So yeah. that's just, I don't know. It's sort it's, of like people see color when they hear sound. I see stories. You see storylines. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Cause like the, the narrative kind of, it wasn't something where we, we had the narrative when we made the album. It was mm -hmm. sort of like the narrative came out of the process of making the album and then became more and more detailed as the idea, I guess, came. Yeah, it's like, uh, making an album is really fun and really awful at the same time because you have to like immerse yourself in a world that you're creating. Um, but that's very hard to do when you live a life also, right. you know, like yeah. you come in and out of this world you're creating and you just want to stay there forever. But if you do, sometimes you get lost and you need to take a break. Anyway, that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm <laughs> working on our next album. So it's just making you think about that. Now, um, your album, uh, you, you said um, in your website that your album was designed for um, like LPs and um, and tape. Um, yeah. in, in fact, I believe in your uh, Kickstarter campaign um, for Tomorrow is Better Than Yesterday. Tomorrow was better yesterday. Oh, was yeah. better than yesterday. Um, you you actually had a uh, an option where you could get the album on uh, reel to reel, the, yeah. the, the huge reel to reel, uh, uh, options and, and stuff like that. Um, how, how difficult and challenging was that to record for like the, the reel to reel, 
um, those are the the huge uh, kind of uh, <laughs> recording things that you would see, like probably um, like in in the seventies, like a, a spy movie or something like that. If they're behind you, and that's like, oh yes, you can sort of see the, it. It's yeah, the there we go. Back there. <laughs> and that, uh, behind Augustus, there. Yeah, exactly. Spy movies are we have always, a few of them, but like, we're always seeing TV yeah, that's one of them. We yeah. have a little handheld. When well, we used to record the albums, actually next to us, but we have a small one that someone said is in a TV show, for like a spy show. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget which one though. Uh, it's Get Smart, I think. Was it? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, we love that stuff. <laughs> now, um, you Columbo. You, um, I think it was Columbo. Sorry. Oh no no no! That's We're gonna fine. look it up later. <laughs> yeah. Um, you use a a a Buchla synthesizer as well mm-hmm. as like modular synthesizers. Um, could you give us a little bit of an explanation about um, you know, what those type of synthesizers are? Um, sure. Like, yeah. I could tilt the camera a little bit and show you mm. but then i feel like i won't be able to get it to be back where on us again it's, it's a, a risky move. so <laughs> we definitely have a lot of uh, imagery like on our instagram and our website and stuff if people want to see what it looks like um do you want me to give them yeah yeah you oh, go. <laughs> uh, well it, it it so it's one of the, have you heard of uh Bob Moog and Moog or Moog uh, oh, synthesizers. Yes. Yeah, so that, that's, that's, you know, a lot more popular, but like they actually were created around the same time. So uh, Don Buchla, who's the creator of the, of the, you know, the format, I guess it's not really a format. There's a lot of Ooh, debate around it, but you, you know, it's, it's, it created a world, I guess, of synthesizers, a company. And uh, it was probably around uh, early 60s, you know, when it, when it first uh, came into existence. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole history, but it's rather <laughs> cool, elaborate history, uh, you know, in uh, Northern California, based in Northern California. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of California, and you brought up Moog, it's sort of like this lore that it's they, the they created them at the same time. The East and Coast. so Google is like the West Coast synthesis mm-hmm. and Moog is East Coast synthesis. Right. I don't hear people say East Coast synthesis very much, but they say West Coast a lot. Usually when Buchla comes up, that's the first thing. Oh, it's West Coast. It's because it's the less popular one. So they sort of like differentiate by saying yeah. like, you know, West Coast. And what is know, the, re- that you have a very specific differentiation reasoning for that. A lot of people ask like, well, what does that even mean? It's just because it was originated in the West Coast. But it has like a. There are qualities. Quality of west coast say like a uh, born synthesizers right? that aren't really the same but like they're kind of similar at least yeah um but back to like the bigger picture like yeah. why Zoom why up. am i using Zoom this <laughs> instrument what is it uh, it's a modular synthesizer i mean it is you said bukla and modular synthesizer for me it, it is the modular synthesizer um and a modular synthesizer is basically uh you know, where you can plug in like the, the different elements of it, like say the oscillators um, and plug them kind of anywhere you want and create your own sound based off of like patch cables, uh, kind of like an old telephone uh, patching mm-hmm. system, um, you know, and, and then the end result is sort of like, you know, however you imagined the circuitry kind of like working together. It's just very free and open source and, you know, kind of allows you to play with sound in an interactive way that you can't really do with like closed format synthesizers like your traditional 80s, like, you know, DX7 or something like that. Um, 
it's sort of a, the this specific type of synthesizer was developed at the at a time when they were pretty much only had access to tape machines to use. So yeah. the reason that we're really drawn to it is because it's very associated with tape music and the way that you manipulate the actual tape itself to create the music. Um, and these synthesizers being recorded to tape, there's just something really magical about it. And it has like a history that we really love. And, and it gives you, a, I think it has more of a sci-fi sound to it, you know, for a soundscape approach um, it comes easy yeah, yeah. I mean, you can kind of get into sci-fi sound effects with any synthesizer sure, or even that's that's sense. really just what you yeah. hear yeah anything that makes you know an oscillator tone you know can usually be manipulated into something you know sci-fi sounding um but what was i saying with that but like the bukla tape yeah. combo or the bukla just itself mm -hmm. just oh oh yeah those naturally. sounds come easier yeah in you know, in my opinion, like the the spacier sounds, the computery, bloopy, you know, sounds that we're used to from Your Robbie the sound Robot type of soundtrack, yeah, right. Like it just somehow just it seems to like fall out of the machine, like in my in my opinion. And that, well, I mean, there's a great anecdote that uh, that David Bowie would go and he would get different like you know uh rolling keyboards and stuff like that and, and different uh, uh you know modular synthesizers and and not know exactly what they did mm -hmm. but just you know would plug them in and just like start punching buttons and stuff like that and and just exploring it and finding the different sounds that he thought that uh would be really really interesting in, in his compositions is that sort of a until uh brian eno came over yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and then they'd probably yeah you'd be like hey actually uh do this yeah or, he'd be like no what are you doing we'll get the sound you're looking for that's how i would imagine that interaction going oh yes definitely um they they were a, a great combination as far as uh, uh collaborators with with that now you had mentioned um the uh pairing of the uh, synthesizers with uh tape and um i understand you also make your own sort of uh tape loops mm -hmm. as yeah. well and that so um when you're making your tape loops i mean do you like physically kind of cut the tape or is it just sort of like a a rewind and and record something you know over it uh Ooh, great question uh you can come at it a bunch of different ways but like for instance uh the ones that we make you know i just sit there with a splicing block and you know measuring tape and just measure off like you know 21.9 centimeters of tape is uh five second loop in a cassette, you know, and I just catch it together and like, you know, make blank ones or I'll make them and then, you know, record sound of them after the fact. So that's like the cassette version of doing it. But then when you get into open reel, yeah. it's just, you can get into tape loops of all different sizes. You can have them running all over your house if you can keep the tension. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's the real point. Yeah, and you can get into a lot more uh, interesting rhythms and things doing tape mm. loops uh, mm -hmm. that way, but like, you know, I would say, um, you know, I would say the real to real way, like you might be just recording stuff onto a tape and then just kind of, you know, guess or like play the tape over the tape head and like mark it with a little pencil and well, yeah, give it a little many slice right? That's the on, fun. The, on the, uh, like you know, with the razor blade. You want it to be random or yeah, yeah and try to make like an actual like drum loop or percussive loop out of it, mm -hmm. you know, versus um, yeah, you can create something that you can a blank be like, you know, a traditional 
loop of a beat or something that you playing a song to, or it could be, you know, just experimental, yeah. experimental and, sound, know, however, see what happens kind of a thing. And I think for me, like the magic of it and the reason why I keep coming back to it and why I'm like, you know, just sitting with like you know, tables everywhere in my studio <laughs> is because there's something about, um, the by chance um you know random nature of what you end up capturing you know it's like it's a very you know just like hitting play and record you know like you know in time like there's no like you know quartz lock sync um yeah i i uh i was able to uh, actually back in 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 college to uh take a double cassette deck um, and um, I transferred some stuff from um, Fear and Loathing in, in Las Vegas, and I ended up with a happy accident myself um, by getting a bit of a loop when uh, Johnny Depp was saying, um, buy the ticket, uh, take the ride. And I was like, oh, that's that's great. And I used it for uh, for mixes and that. And so I imagine it's really, really fun when you come across these different sort of like uh I guess you would say sort of happy accidents um, when you are experimenting with with your uh, different uh, when you're experimenting with your different um, <clears throat> uh, synthesizers and that it seems that we've lost the Galaxy Electric uh, just for a second, but they'll be back. And that, yes, um, the Galaxy Electric um, actually has a uh, really fun website. Um, at galaxyelectric.com and you can uh, find information about their music there. There we go. We've got a uh, graphic of their website. They also have some really interesting uh, merch and um, they've got some uh, music that you can go ahead and listen to and we're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be back very shortly. Broadcasting from a device built by a teenage genius using leftover parts from an erector set, this is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday morning for news. The week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, horror, comic books, video games, plus Comic-Con updates and the weather and the occasional interview along the way. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. We hope you join us every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Now, we were talking about uh, making different uh, tape loops and uh, sort of the happy accidents that occur when um, you're making these uh, loops and you were saying, um, Augustus, that you could have like huge reel-to-reel -reel tapes like strewn all about your living room and stuff like that. And, and that um, would it be similar to um, kind of like the old school film editing, I guess you would say, where they would, uh, you know, take, you know, clips of the, uh, the film negative and like slice them and put them together and that is, is that, uh, is that how you approach editing and that when it comes to the music? We've got no sound from you folks. Not yet. 
No, not yet. It's the Stone Martin Weasels. The Stone Martin Weasels have got them. <laughs> It reverted to there it is. Build. There we go. So let's go back to the Yeti. <laughs> Sorry. It's we there. Have... We hear you now. <laughs> we had to switch our source of our microphone because it's not picking this one up anymore. And I don't make, know what happened. Make the. Um, but you menu, can hear us. Menu come in again? <laughs> yes. There you go. There you are. Yeah, it got back to it. <laughs> okay. Wow. That really thing is. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, all this modern technology always letting us down. Yeah, right. That's why we choose tape. <laughs> no, we, we, we have a, a term for that over here. We um, whenever there's a bit of a glitch, we uh, the stone Martin weasels uh, have have gotten into our systems. Unfortunately, it seems like they uh, they migrated over to your studio uh, temporarily. <laughs> yeah, temporarily, at least. But we were um, we were speaking about um, like how you go about like editing and and how mm -hmm. uh, and how similar um, it might be towards uh, like the old school film editing with it with the the cut and and trims and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you record like a do you record like a whole tape and that and then edit you know physically that way or or do you um specifically like go okay this is going to be like a five minute track i'm going to make a tape for this and then you know just oh my gosh yeah i would minutes. say like all of the above there's all 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 approaches have been used but i would say like our general process usually any splicing usually happens like on the front end like pre-production right mm. so we're building uh tape loops and recording to them uh and and then using that in uh an improvised performance that we then would record to tape so then we would take that and then usually from that point we're just going into the computer to you know trim it up really mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of where we draw the line with our editing um is you know we if once we record like say like our multi-track of our of our song Mm -hmm. You know, like we'll we'll record those tracks individually to a computer for editing at that point. So it's like once it's like captured on the tape, mm -hmm. that's sort of the vibe that we're going for is just that initial capture of the, uh, you know, the process mm -hmm. of recording to magnetic tape. So some people, when they make tape music, they're recording different things and then manipulating after with the tape. And we have so far, most of our creation has been manipulating and creating tape loops on the front end and then using them in kind of as the, an element as an element of the production mm -hmm. you know and then i think another thing that you were mentioning was also about the uh, the reel to reel in general um you know those we actually had manufactured oh the ones we made of our actual yeah. album that you can then yeah the, the yeah. tape that we you know of our album itself mm -hmm. um, yeah so speaking to like how difficult it was to like make music for tape and then manufacturing that was actually really straightforward because we just happened to find someone else who's super into this stuff too, who was doing that. As a business. So yeah. he was like, I'm already doing this. Like I'm, I'm repurposing, you know, old reels and, and putting stuff out this way. So we're like, what? 
what are the chances there's another person out there like us that yeah. was on that specific end of things so that was a real treat to take our music that we make with tape to then release it on actual tape for people who have tape machines still mm -hmm. to listen to it that way it was just like so magical now have you gotten any responses from the the uh tape community uh, of specifically people that uh, were able to get your album on real to real um how does it um how does it sound to them is it is it um is it you know really warm or what sort of response it's great because it's it's been a very positive response i think most people are just so amazed that this even exists that most of the feedback is just their own excitement about the experience of getting a tape and loading it up and listening to it you know um but we have people have said it that it's mastered well it sounds good and um you know we obviously specifically printed it you know this way to be listened to on this type of machine so it's every version every format is going to be mastered a little bit differently so the experience is always going to be unique on each format like streaming versus cassette versus cd versus vinyl you know like the experience of that is going to depend too on like what machine you have and what speakers you have and you know how how much surround sound you have going on mm -hmm. that can really take it to the next level you also mentioned that uh, like when you were producing the the real to real uh, tapes that you actually found a, a person who actually um, makes them. Yeah. And um, you hearkened uh, back to sort of like it was really interesting to find that um, as a sort of like a, an option to do uh, in your search. Um, now, you also have a, uh, a sort of podcast that you do called uh, Synth friends or send hmm. with friends yeah yeah um, where that connects different um uh different bukla enthusiasts and and synthesizer enthusiasts um, from around the world and you speak with them and and um sort of get their take on on what they're doing with the the synthesizers um how has that kind of like shaped of uh, what you do as far as like uh, your compositions and what sort of um, kind of creative aspects have you taken from these various uh, synth friends? I love that. That's a great question. We just started that a couple months ago. It was just sort of like a, you know, one of those ideas that just comes to you and you you act on it and like the stars align and you just go for it. Oh, and I see our uh, Cosmic Tape Music club podcast is our official podcast and then synth friends is something we do every thursday it's on kind our, of an offshoot on our twitch channel so it's live so we just invite people that we know from the internet who we haven't like actually met in real life who just have these like you know robust conversations interactions we feel like we know each other but we've never actually met face to face because it's all internet based so we were like, we should just have people on because we're already Twitch streaming. We should just have people on to chat with us sometimes. And it all started from one of our friends who happens to also do Bukla. And so then he was like, oh, you should have my friend on. And then she was like, you should have my friend on. And then it's just become this chain of people that all are sort of connected through the internet and worlds mm -hmm. of like people who stream or or play online who know each other from the internet and it's been amazing to see that the like similar things that will come up that everybody kind of references 
Um, it seems to be, I would say like the main theme of like, people are kind of tired of like the purest culture around synthesizers of like, it's gotta be this brand or it's gotta be analog or it's gotta be this way or that way. Or we try not digital. to have an agenda with the conversation specifically yeah. so that stuff sort of erupts. But that's you know? been a really common theme that people are like, just like, it's really an inclusive community of people who are just experimenting with sound in whatever ways, you know, whether they do it live or just for themselves or they have physical hardware, or they're using the computer. Like it's just a really open kind of feeling that, uh, a lot of the like internet forums for synths like don't necessarily give you that same feeling. But uh, to answer your question for me specifically, like I definitely get like, you know, inspired by some of the talks that we have, like, you know, the first talk that you mentioned, for example, like I ended up like making a move and like selling a piece of equipment oh, wow. based off of the conversation that we had, you know, that kind of reminded me that, you know, I, I needed to do something about that. So it is helpful to sort of, it's kind of like shop talk, <laughs> yeah. you know, for, for the, the folks that actually do the, the synthesis and stuff. Um, but I think a lot of the audience for it, you know, maybe, you know, they just like ambient music or they like, you know, sci-fi sounding stuff, mm -hmm. you know, they're not necessarily in the game uh of synthesizers um so we get kind of a mixed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. audience and, i would say and, and one of you guys um i believe actually in in the last uh uh synth with friends episode that you did actually had a uh sort of like a instagram meetup outside and did like a a, a synth um, yeah sort of like impromptu they did. Mm -hmm. concert outside and that yeah Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, would that be something that you would be, like, maybe interested in doing? Or, or I mean, I understand that, like, with the synthesizers, they're not exactly uh, <laughs> super portable. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, so. Yeah, it's really impressive to hear all the people who are willing to take their synths outside. We've done it once, but we didn't bring very much with us. It was a very stripped down thing. Um, but it's super fun. Like we went to a park randomly, just the two of us, and we just started playing our stuff, but only we could hear it. <laughs> but we were sitting by a lake and it was really cool. And people obviously were like, what is going on? This is so strange, which, you know, kind of, we, we like that kind of a feeling. Well, we streamed um, it, right? It was a, I think it was we, a Facebook live or we something. We might've streamed it or we filmed it or something. Yeah. Uh, but there's sort of a movement that's been going on for a while called modular on the spot which is supposed to be sort of a pop-up, like, oh, we're just here, we're playing modular outside I don't know if that somewhere. exists anymore, but... But there's all, obviously, because of that, there's a lot of other versions But it of sparked it. a lot of that. So we've been learning more about what people mm -hmm. are doing in that regard, just because, you know, we haven't really been around people or, like, left the house much in the past couple of years. Uh, but obviously, like, playing, doing, like, experimental sound, specifically with modular or tape or what have you, in outdoor spaces, in underground caverns, things where like there's an acoustical element that that adds to it is kind mm -hmm. of has a long history, I would say as well. Well, ancient history, but in terms of like ours, uh, like even the Bukla type, the people who were around for that sort of invention, if you will, were doing those kinds of things too. Um, I would definitely, I would definitely do it again, uh, just to come back to the question. And I would also <laughs> use like battery. I have a battery powered rig, so like I can like you know connect like my little like uh, I have like a radio. It's like a combination of like a radio and a mixer, and it has this ability to send 
I think like up to nine volts out so you can actually power other things off of it. Um, so I power like a voltage controlled tape recorder off of it and like run the sound of like tape loops like through this like mixer thing and get like live radio feed back into the tape loop. Like that's the sort of thing I think I would do mm -hmm. if I was gonna do like an outdoor thing rather than bring like a modular synthesizer, I would, I would try to keep it pretty portable. And that's kind of the fun of it too is what we keep hearing from people is like the creative things they're trying because of what they do or don't want to bring with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a whole, it's definitely a factor, mm -hmm. part of the shop talk thing, mm -hmm. yeah. Now that actually kind of leads me into a, a couple of more questions. Um, specifically, um, now when you're outside um, and that, um, do you do any sort of, um, I believe the technical term is like uh, field recording mm -hmm. where you go out with like a, a microphone and sort of like a, um, a sound designer or a Foley artist in the movies where you record different uh, like sounds and that. And do you do that and, and bring it back you know, to the studio and, and manipulate it that way. Um, Absolutely. Or... Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. I would say those things can happen in the same space, but it's sometimes usually a different headspace to be like, I'm going to go play my synth outside versus I'm going to go capture sounds because you're like listening to what's around you versus, you know, being in your instrument. Um, the Great Falls. Oh, yeah. So we used uh, to little live. trip that we took uh, was epic for that. In the DC area, we used to live in the DC area. And in Northern Virginia, there's this thing called Great Falls. It's just this like massive, you know, like kayaking waterfall yeah. kind of big, like a big, rapids. you know, fall mm -hmm. situation, not like uh, Niagara, but you know, so it's some sort of like that. And it's a massive park and everything. There's it's all Northern these, Virginia's little falls, all these different yeah. hiking trails and stuff. But we took, uh, you know, an, an actual like field recording rig, like intentionally. Cassette, yeah, cassette-based, cassette little boom mic, like that I had on with a stand us out. and everything. And I was like out there like <laughs> and all these like, you know, taking photos with all these poses and the trees <laughs> and like holding on, making it look more dramatic, you know, like. <laughs> we were trying to get rid of that babbling brook, you know? Yeah, um, but I got some good stuff and we actually used that for that, that museum that, performance. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's really fun to do that kind of stuff. And then just like, even years later, you'll find it and, mm -hmm. and you'll hear it differently or it'll have a, a its moment to shine. You don't always like know what you're going to use it for. Yeah, That's always capturing is sort of my status. When yeah, it comes to well, usually recording. like we have apps on our phone, you know, to do it because you just never know when you're going to hear something like we were we were we had some like hold music we heard the other day they're like ah get get the photo i gotta record it it's we so made weird. an entire stream streamed <laughs> for an hour and a half based on this hold music <laughs> recording <laughs> wow yeah we made a tape loop out of it <laughs> now uh, like when you go into your improvised uh sort of performances um before you go into them do you have like a um certain kind of mood that you want to set or do you i mean how do you communicate back and forth about um like like okay this is what i want to do at this time mm -hmm. or is it sort of like much more free-flowing kind of like a uh jazz or uh that when you like you know punch record and and start uh mm. you know uh fiddling with the knobs and that sort of thing 
both skis yeah yeah i would yeah. say there's like <laughs> sometimes it is it's like this tape loop we made that we want to use or a field recording or or i'll just wake up and randomly <laughs> say at breakfast like i'm in the mood for, i'm gonna go for this yeah he'll just on, randomly throw stuff some, out you know but generally Sunday. like like he's like manning the machines right so he's like the engineer or the you know the driver of the spaceship and i re respond basically to whatever happens is pretty much what we've come down to. It took us many years to get to that place where it's kind of hard to tell who's starting something, who's stopping, but- It's a very well-refined collaboration. The engines are churning from his kind of patch bay, if you will. So if he's got a certain piece of gear that he's using that has a certain sound quality that lends itself to a certain style or sound or journey, and that's what he wants to explore today, then I'm gonna explore with him and that might determine what kind of stuff I can use. Like I might not be able to sync up with him. So it might be more ambient. If I can, it might be more beat driven. This feels so nerdy. I've like never really talked about this before. <laughs> I don't know if this is interesting to anyone. This is but, the time to do it. But yeah, that's sort of how we do it is like, to, we don't really communicate in the moment. We communicate through like what we're doing, right? So if like, if I'm doing something and, and it, starts to create a new rhythm with what he's doing then he's going to react to that and go in a certain direction it's very similar to jazz in yeah. that regard but we yeah. don't have a form like jazz right, would have right. a form yeah that's the main difference like we really don't way less of a form <laughs> but that's only because like just so many hours we've put into doing it without anyone ever hearing any of it you know to like figure out how to get to that place where we don't really know what we're doing or how it's happening so it's sort of like a, a very kind of um, meditative sort of zen-like mm. approach, I, I would guess, um, based mm. on so many hours that you've had to work with uh, a, both the uh, all the synthesizers and equipment you have, and then um, and in your uh, vocals, uh, Jacqueline. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, with with your vocals and uh, specifically your your lyrics, um, do you have anything that uh, you like you you jot down? And it's like, oh, hey, I like the rhythm of this sentence. I think I might use this somewhere, you know, later on. Or is it all sort of like, okay, well, based on Augustus's, you know, mm. like mm -hmm. four by four beat or, or something like that that yeah. he's come up with, um, this is how I'm going to, you know, approach, you know, me mm -hmm. singing. So when we very first started, I had this idea because I had written some lyrics and had sort of a concept. And I was like, let's just do freeform improv based on this, right? And we did that to sort of figure out like, what is this? Like, is there a shape to it? How do we, where are the boundaries? What are we doing? But then it started becoming like, I would have thoughts about lyrics and write them down and then never use them. <laughs> so it's like, if I wrote it down, it wasn't gonna get used. So after a while, you know, like I said, we just, we went to like our woodshed for a couple of years and just did this without anyone ever hearing any of it, you know, to just get to a place where we could go to, I guess, you know, bring it back to Forbidden Planet. What BB and Louis Barron talk about and what Forbidden Planet's about is like uh, what your subconscious is telling you is like actually what you need to hear or what's going on or the truth, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That we always know it's always there, but it can take some doing to get to that subterranean place that's covered by like your to-do list and all of the other things you have going on. So we do this to like get to that place to then have those stories just unfold. 
Uh, I think that answered your question. I'm not sure. No, I don't write lyrics and it all just happens in the moment because I'm seeing the story and then I'm telling it. That's kind of how I feel. Okay. And that, now with, with your uh, latest album and that um, you, you were speaking before about how you created this whole sort of backstory and this narrative. Um, so do you think that kind of like subconsciously influenced you while you were recording i mean did you do it sort of like in a progressive sort of thing like okay hey i want to concentrate on the uh the landing of of these mm, characters mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then yeah or why don't we record this this afternoon or that sort of mm -hmm. thing i wish i could be that way um it just anything i plan anything that we put down or anything we decide it just like falls apart in our hands like sand you know uh so to be like very like transparent, like this story unfolded as we were telling it, you know? So like, as we were recording and as, as I was, you know, basically he's creating these soundscapes and I'm seeing what's, you know, what that translates to story-wise as I'm hearing it. And then I'm telling the story of what I'm seeing. And then when we listened back, I heard the story that I was telling. And, and Oh, okay. So I didn't preconceive, we didn't preconceive it, Okay. but so it's hard to say that we didn't because it felt like it was like we would do some recording and then I would hear it and I'd go, oh, okay, I think this is what the story is. And then we would record again. So I do think it was informed, but only as we were doing it. Yeah. And for me, it's always about like, just how I feel, you know, like I try to really tap into like how I emotionally feel um you know in any mm. given day or moment or whatever I'll, I'll kind of like we always meditate before we improvise and in that session I will usually come to the the emotion that mm. is going to actually. you know come out of me during the performance and that's gonna kind of dictate you know the type of timbres that I use now when you were uh putting together the the tracks for uh the album um when you went back and you listened to the tapes, did you, how did you come about like, you know, okay, oh, this track will be here, that track will be there. Was was that based uh, later on, on, you know, the narrative that you had both, you know, come up with during recording or? Um, yeah, that was actually really hard. It felt like a puzzle because it was sort of like we had found this archive and that it wasn't in the right order. And we had to figure out what that order was. So it did feel like we were solving our own mystery that we created for ourselves uh, because like we would listen back and go, oh, we're telling this story, right? Oh wait, that doesn't go there, that goes here. So there was a lot of shifting around. Well, I think what you're touching on is the fact that review is a big part of our mm, process. Yeah. Maybe even like this, this sixth man, you know what I mean? Right, because like we talked about how it is sort of this like letting go of the conscious self and going into the subconscious so we do try to like channel if you will while we're playing and then when you listen back we're sort of hearing it for the first time yeah, in a way yeah. because we're not really in our bodies mm -hmm. when we're performing it so I yeah feel it's like pretty sci-fi when, when you leave when you when we <laughs> listen back and, and we listen back often that's when the narrative would come and the album you know concept would sort of develop and the, even the track order mm -hmm. and that sort of thing would, would all come into play based on listening back to these improvisations and trying to make sense of like you know 
where we were at the time. It kind of reminds me of the film Sometimes Memento. We would listen back and we'd be like, no, that's just how our day went. We're not using that. That's not purpose. <laughs> <laughs> we were just having a bad day and needed to get it out. <laughs> like, that's- yeah, and we could decipher that, mm-hmm. you know, listening back and, and, and realizing like we couldn't tell you that in the moment, you know, or you know, sometimes we, we thought we were really nailing it. And then, yeah, nope. And you listen back and you're like, you know, that's something. <laughs> now, now, when you have that um, sort of, uh, when you listen back to the, the recording and you discover something like, uh, oh, we thought we were doing so well, but it's just not there yet. Um, are you able to like go back and, and, I mean, not necessarily recapture that moment again, but like, okay, um, a, Augustus, I was using this particular like uh, you know mm-hmm. beat and that sort of thing, and 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 try and and go back and, and at least um, revisit that beat and and try and get something else out of it. Are are you able to to kind of do that, or you just sort of like scrap the endeavor and and begin again? Couldn't have touched on a more hot topic. I was like, oh my goodness. Because we were literally just talking about this in the bathroom. This is the concept we're wrestling with at the moment. Before preparing for the session today. So, you know, like, (laughs) um, we're still kind of, honestly, it changes, you know, with every project, um, you know, and and honestly, we're in the midst of trying to figure uh, that out. Trying to figure out if that is possible. Doesn't, (laughs) yeah. There's some elements of what we do that, like, I feel like when we try to tweak them, we lose the magic, but I feel like there's still more to explore. Like this is a journey for us, like almost like following some sort of map that we're like, I don't know where this cosmic map came from, but we're going to follow it until we find the next thing. For the last album, there was no way that we were possibly returning to (laughs) any of those pieces. Like that's, that's what we would call like almost like pure you know, like free jazz of our, mm-hmm. of our making, you know what I mean? Free improv. Um, you know, I, it's debatable whether we'll do another piece of work like that. Yeah, like that really was kind of, it was, it went really well and we were really happy with the result, but. Um, well, we're, we're obviously kind of like era, very interested will. in process. So it's like doing the same thing again, doesn't really light us up if you know what I mean so we're always like what's the what's the tweak what's the twist so now we're trying to tweak that process a little bit and like say well what if we like took concepts that we came up with while we were freely improvising and like tried to explore them with a little more detail a little little bit more attention to the mix quality Mm -hmm. you know and actually doing some of the things that you can you know the um bringing in some of those futuristic elements and not just the retro elements right right yeah and i was gonna say um you know the a multi-track allows you the luxury the luxuries Mm, of you know being able to review something that's in multi-track format and you can mix and tweak and edit and cut and paste and (laughs) all that stuff it's like you know how do we combine the magic of the improv with a little bit of that more modern production style you know that's kind of where we're at right now now with the um with the uh, sort of, I guess you would say, reintroduction of like the the multi-track system into your your process, um, how easy is it to translate sort of the kind of analog production techniques that you're using to the multi-track process? And does it still have that kind of um, retro-futuristic sheen to it, or is it a little bit 
more like um, to uh, crib something off of Lou Reed metal machine music now or, <laughs> or that sort of thing. I love this question. Yeah, and cool Lou Reed quote. Yeah. Um, hmm. We don't know the answer to that because we're still testing. Well, the idea is that we don't want to lose anything. Yeah, obviously. That Our would goal be is idea. not to lose the retrofuturistic sheen, yeah, if love you will. That. Yeah, I thank you for pointing that for us. Man, you just nailed the question of the, the take day. Is, like, even to the point so where, like, I, I want to almost experiment, like, what happens if you just put some, like, grade A hiss underneath you know, like a digital. Is recording. that the magic, like, or is the magic literally that it like, has so, to be this way? You know, it might not yeah. be the full magic, but maybe that's a way to enough? like get through a quiet section. You know, where you don't want it to be mm -hmm. as like obvious. You know that you're they're using tape. You know, stuff like that. Like I think the idea is to sort of like reverse engineer the process and make sure that we're not losing the magic of that free improvised tape stuff um, while making stuff that's like a little bit more you know, that could sit on a chart or something. <laughs> oh, definitely. It's it sort of, it, it seems like uh, akin to like a, um, of a new indie filmmaker, um, like wanting to go back to that aesthetic and then um, like, oh, wait a second, they've got like a grindhouse filter and then they put it on their film and it just doesn't, doesn't look right. I mean, it's got like, you know, the predetermined artifacts and, exactly. and, and dust and stuff, but it's like, it's uh, it's not just there yet it's kind of like when you see some eraser head type stuff in twin peaks oh <laughs> uh, yes that was uh, good definitely definitely now um you use a lot of uh sort of um pulp uh sci-fi illustrations in your videos mm -hmm. and that um is there any sort of like uh we we talked about like the the early 60s and sort of like the 50s era is mm -hmm. that sort of the kind of pulpy aspect that you're leaning towards i i realize that you've come out with a a series of uh christmas postcards uh, mm. that are definitely retro yeah um and that with all the kind of conical spaceships and and that sort of thing um is that something that you're still trying to like achieve or are we going more in a sort of like kind of 70s kind of uh, oh, I love these realistic questions. sort of direction. Mm. That's definitely a you. Wow, that's such a tough question. I think I like playing with all of it. Um, and certain things will like fit for a certain purpose and other things will fit others. Um, I do feel like I haven't spent enough time, like, I think we we kind of pushed ourselves in more of a 70s realm for a bit and I keep wanting to go back to that very specific I think it's a little bit more late 50s early 60s like that real space race like it's gonna be awesome like rose-colored glasses and also not fully having the technology to express the ideas. So I love that moment and I, I'm not done with it yet, for sure. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> but we always all like, I'll reach out for like something 80s every once in a while, you know, like it'll, it'll come into my sphere mm -hmm. and I'm like, That's nice, but this is really where I live. Uh -huh. 
well, it, it's been great chatting with you guys. Um, thank you so much for joining us uh, on uh, this episode. And uh, we, we'd love to have you back and talk a little bit more about um, your musical stylings and uh, possibly like get a sort of in-house demonstration. That's Ooh, next time. yeah, that's that a cool idea. Yeah. But um, yes, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, once again, this was the Galaxy Electric, and um, they have a uh, website, uh, galaxyelectric.com, and they have their tracks available um, on, let's see, Spotify yeah. and um, iTunes, mm -hmm. um, and I believe uh, Amazon as well. Yeah, they should be in all those places. That, uh, if you'd like to go ahead and, and check them out, and their latest uh, project that they've just dropped is a series of uh, cosmic drones mm. um and then of course their their album the uh the future was better yesterday and that uh tomorrow was better. Or, tomorrow tomorrow was better yesterday excuse me um it's tricky because it, it's, it's not grammatically better. correct <laughs> there we go <laughs> and that um and yeah it was it was great having you here and we look forward to having you back. Thank you so yeah. very, very much. This was a blast. Thank you so Thank much you. for having us. Yeah, it was oh, yeah, yeah. blast. Thanks. Definitely. Now, um, coming up on Friday, we're going to have an open line, of course, for uh, um, live from the bunker. But uh, Thursday night, uh, Mr. Boss, uh, a.k.a. Jason, uh, is going to be on the Thursday night throwdown episode of Comics Division. Um, and of course, we've got our Saturday weekend show, Good Morning Multiverse, coming up. And be sure to check out our special one-shot edition of Foreign Bodies, where uh, Mrs. Walker and Mr. Uh, um, excuse me, where uh, Foreign Bodies, where we're going to be discussing um, the special one-shot episode of. Um, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, and that, um, excuse me, I'm just uh, grabbing my notes here for that, um, but once again, thank you so very much for uh, tuning in today for this special episode from Studio L, and we hope to see you back on Friday for the open lines over here at Live on the Bugger. Thank you very much, and have a great day. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 